So what's your level of joy? Would someone say about you, would they say you're a sad sack? Have you had those moments of just kind of moping around, being sad? Maybe they would say to you, if somebody was describing you, would they say you're a grumbler, complainer? Maybe you just kind of voice and vocalize negative things, and they just come rolling off your tongue, and you, and you maybe uh, have had a mindset of naysaying that, why is everybody picking on me? Anybody ever watch that? Charlie Brown? And just nothing's going right, everything's going wrong. Or maybe they would say that you have that joy. They can't, maybe can't explain it, make, don't know what it's all about, but they see joy in you. They see a peace that passes all understanding. And so maybe we would just take a moment to really just look at a passage of Scripture, and we could look at several that talk about the joy of the Lord. But I just want to kind of take a little glimpse into the book of 1 Samuel, <coughs> chapter 1 and chapter 2. That we would be able to just meditate through the eyes of Hannah, this little lady who's married to this guy. And as we look in the book of 1 Samuel, the first chapter, we see some things going on there. But we also see Hannah speaking some words about the joy that she has. In 1 Samuel, the second chapter, verse 1 and 2. That the joy that she has in the Lord. And if you would just go there and read with me as we look at 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It says this. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My voice is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. She goes on in verse 2 to say, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. So we hear and we see Hannah in this passage of Scripture giving a prayer of praise. She's glorifying God. She's rejoicing God. She's thanking God for all of his wonderful works and what he's done for us. But it's so important that we take a moment to hear and see what was going on in this particular situation, in this passage. We know that 1 Samuel is the first book of talking about the kings of Israel. And so we begin 1 Samuel with seeing that there is a man who has two wives. Uh, and his name, we see in the very first chapter, in the very first verse, is Elkanah. And in the second verse, we see that he had two wives. One of the wives was Hannah, and the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And just to give you a little backdrop of this, that in this particular time and, and culture for a woman not to have children was seen to be a disdain upon her. It was seen as though she was not blessed of the Lord, that uh, there was something wrong with her, and that... Uh, you know, she didn't have God's favor. And so we get the backdrop of Hannah grieving during this time. That she is looking at Penina, and Penina has all these children, and she has none. 
And so we go down to verse 6, and we see something happening here. That Hannah uses the word adversary. That she's speaking of Penana, and she's saying Penana is her adversary that provokes her. That almost there's like a war going on between her and Penina. She uses the word adversary. And she says she's provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord has shut up her wound. So she's grieving. She's being provoked by her adversary. And maybe we've had a situation in life that we've grieved. We've been provoked by others, even to the point that we would see someone as our enemy or our, our adversary, and they're coming against us. They're persecuting us, and it causes our consciousness to fall. It causes us to get a little sad, and maybe so much to a point that we start grumbling and complaining, and we don't mean to sometimes, right? It just comes out. Because see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we start speaking in this grieving that's in our heart, it starts coming out. And so we go on and we see in verse 7, and as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. So each year, her husband and the family would go up to Shiloh, they would go up to the house of the Lord. And what her husband would do is he gave a portion to Pinana, his other wife. He gave her food, and then he gave a, a portion to Hannah. And those scriptures say he gave her a double portion. He gave her a worthy portion. Because he wanted her to know that he was so thankful that she was his wife. And see, in this particular scenario, we see some things that, that the book of Deuteronomy speaks about this portion that's given, this offering that they're taking before the Lord and that they're giving to him. And I, I would just ask if you would turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, the 12th chapter, so I can share that with you a little bit. See, there were certain sacrifices. There was a the, uh, the, the sacrifice for their sins that they would give upon the altar and that God would forgive their sins, that their sins would be uh, erased for that week or for that year. But then there was a burnt offering that you would give an offering of thanksgiving, an offering of joy, an offering of that God has been so good to me, I just want him, I just want to say so, that the Lord is good, that I can rejoice in him, and so they would take these offerings before the altar, this burnt offering, that it wouldn't just be consumed by God, but it would also be consumed by them because they were rejoicing. See, this is how we know that Louisiana folks got it right, because they went up to rejoice with food. <laughs> they went up to enjoy a meal with the Lord. See, look what we see here in the book of Deuteronomy, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 13 and 14. It says, Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. 
So don't just enjoy it in every different place, but look what it says here. But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. So he's saying, go to the house of the Lord. Bring your joyful offering. Bring your praise offering. Bring your thanksgiving offering before the Lord. And see, we look a little bit farther down in verse 18, and it says, But thou must eat them before the Lord thy God, in this place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Thou and thy son and thy daughters and thy manservant and thou maidservant, and the Levite that, that is within thy gates. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou putteth thine hands unto. See, he's reminding that God had given it all to you. That's in, it's in him we move and breathe and have our being. And so we can go with everything that we have, with our family, with our friends, with our, with our children, and that we would eat the meal of rejoicing with God and be thankful and rejoice in the Lord, for he's been so good. Could anybody here say he's been good to you? He's been so good. And so go back with me to the book of Samuel 1 Samuel chapter 1, because this is what Hannah's husband is doing and her family and, and, and Pinana and, their and Pinana's children are doing. And so her husband gives a portion to her so that she could rejoice in the Lord. And we see that there was fretting going on. Verse 7 tells us, and as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. See, anybody been in here that you've been so downtrodden, you've been so sad, you just didn't even want to eat? That don't even sound conceivable in Louisiana. But we can get to the point that we just Stop living, stop rejoicing, stop being thankful for all the trials and tribulations and things that's just trying to beat the joy of the Lord out of us. And so Hannah had gotten to that place that her heart grieved. She didn't want to eat. And that she didn't want to experience that joy in the Lord. But look at verse 10. See, verse 10 tells us, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. She wept to the Lord. And maybe you've been in that situation that you couldn't get all the words out and all you could do was weep. All you could do is moan. And so she was weeping so much so 
that there was a prophet nearby named Eli, and he, he thought she was crazy. What's wrong with you? You got some demon in you? This is a place of rejoicing. We're coming before the Lord. What's wrong with you? And Hannah, in verse 13, it says, And now Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. You ever been so much in a, in a situation, it's just so beaten that it, it, it seemed like the breath had just been taken out of you? That your lips are moving, but not a whole lot's coming out? But her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And she explained to Eli that she wasn't drunk, but her heart was hurting, she was grieving. That her adversary had provoked her and maybe told her stuff like, God doesn't love you, your husband doesn't love you. And maybe we've heard those thoughts in our mind that we're unloved, that we're not worthy, that we're not enough. That how could I ever be? And so Anna, Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I'm not drunk, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. I'm pouring out. The little that I still have, I'm pouring out before the Lord. See, then Eli in verse 17, then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way. And did eat, and her consciousness, countenance was no more sad. See, at the very moment that God spoke to her. See, when we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. He'll meet us at the very point of our need. It doesn't mean the situation would have to change because it hadn't changed for Hannah. She was still barren. She was still without child. But because God had spoke to her, she was no longer sad. She went in peace, and she could eat before the Lord. See, so often, if we're not careful, we can wait till God fix everything in our life before we give him joy. 
See, he is our life. We get it mixed up. We want him to fix our life when he is our life. See, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, at the moment we accept Christ, we receive life. And everything else in this world pales in comparison. There can be some good things, there can be some, some, some nice things, but it'll never be as good as God has been to us. So, making a way, a plan of salvation. And Hannah speaks about that as we look a little farther. And so we go and we reflect on chapter 2 just a little bit. You see, we see there that Hannah has received, at this point she's received the blessing from the Lord that she was given a child, that she was the mother of Samuel who would be the prophet unto the kings of Israel. And what did Hannah do? At the time that she received what God had for her, she instantly praised his holy name. See, so often we can pray before we get it, and we can pray and ask God to give it, but when God's give it, we forget to pray a prayer of praise, pray a prayer of thanksgiving. See, earlier somebody in this room said that God had been good to them. See, if God has been good to us, just as we go before him to pray for what we want, we should pray a praise of thanksgiving for what he's done. And be willing to tell somebody that we would have a joyful excitement of sharing what God has done in our lives. See, there's a couple things that Hannah knew. See, she knew she could not do it for herself. She knew that she was unable to do it in her strength and in her ability. But see, Hannah also knew that she could trust in God, that God was able. And she poured out her heart before him. She laid herself before the Lord. She reminded herself, well, I'm unable, he's able. Well, I may not be enough, he's more than enough. that I can trust in his unchanging hand. See, we see all the illustrations where this didn't happen. We remember Sarah went through the same situation where Sarah was barren and Sarah turned to her handmaiden. See, Sarah tried to take it in her own ability and her own strength. And it did not, it gave her gratification, but it didn't give her complete joy. See, whenever we try to do it for ourselves, we won't have the joy of the Lord.
See, there's no rejoicing when we try to do it in our own works and when we try to do it in works alone. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6. The book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6. See, this passage here reminds us of where God meets man, and in our own abilities and our, our own strength, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Verse 6 says, but we are all as unclean things, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our, in our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So when we try to do it in our own strength and our own ability, we just get farther and farther away from the Lord. See, we start thinking that we are the masters of our fate. We are the captains of our soul. And we get farther and farther away from him. But if we go back a little bit and look at verse 4 and 5 of that very same chapter, Isaiah 64, it says this, For since the beginning of the world, Men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither have the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. See, we can't even fathom all that God has for us. Our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard what God has prepared for us. But if we trust him, if we lean upon his unchanging hand, if we walk with him and talk with him and allow him to tell us we are his own, watch what God would do. See, verse 5 says, Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. See, he is the one that rejoices in us and he works righteousness. And if we would just meet him, those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In those in continuance is continuance, and we shall be saved. See, God just wants to deliver us. He wants to pull us out of that sadness, that bleakness, that darkness, that we're constantly running around that wheel trying to do it for ourselves. And it's a weary run. It's a tired run. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your soul. So turn with me back to 1 Samuel. 1 so Hannah says some things here in chapter 2 that's so important for us to grab hold to. And Hannah prayed in verse 1. And said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. 
See, not in her own abilities, not in her own strength, but in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. See that phrase, my horn. See, we understand that to mean it's a protruding part. Like an animal has a protruding part out of the head. That's used for a weapon and attack. See, when you don't have those horns, you're kind of defenseless. You're kind of weak. You're not able to defend and you're not able to attack against the enemy. And so Hannah is making this statement. She's saying, my horn is exalted in the Lord, that all of my prosperity, all of my triumph, all of my victory is in the Lord. Not in myself because I'm unable, but in him. He is our strength. He is our hope. He is our joy. And I can stand on the promises of God. She said, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. See, everything that they've said against me, you've proven them wrong. You've proven that I'm the apple of your eyes, that I have favor in your sight, that I have your grace and your mercy. That your blessings abound in my life. That no matter what they said about me, they said against me, God, I'll exalt you. Because what you say is true. Because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. See, She's saying some things there. She's saying there's none righteous, that you're a sovereign God, that you're a God of deity, that you're all-powerful, that you're omnipresent, and that you're sovereign. See, if you never did this for me, I still can praise you. You're still holy and righteous. I can trust in you. Because maybe it's not today, maybe it's not tomorrow, but I know you're going to bless me. Because you said so. For there is none beside thee. See, she's saying some words there. See, her desire to have a son was very important to her. But what she did there, when she came to herself, when her eyes of her understanding was enlightened, when her joy was full, she realized that, you know what? As much as I desired to have Samuel, Samuel is not more important than you. As much as we desire that thing, we come to a point. God allows us to walk that journey. He allows us to go through the trial. He allows us to have the affliction. And then when we get that very thing, we go like, oh, it was not better than you. 
See, you wanted me to turn my eyes towards you. My help and my hope. My joy. See, she was rejoicing in having a son, but she said, there is none like thee. And maybe we're rejoicing in the things that we have, but we're reminded that there's none like him. Because he's the one that gives. He's the one that sustains. Neither is there any rock like our God. See, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. See, she was reminded of that. That there is no standard that will come against God's plan and his purpose for our life. If we trust and hold on to him, he's our rock. He's our strong tower. And we're reminded of that in his word. His word says, is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. We're safe in his word because his word is alive. It's powerful. It's quick. It cuts away sin and death. And so she's speaking all of these things. But see, there's a, another thing we get out of these scriptures that Hannah is reminding us of. See, there's a, a readiness in the season. See, when we're not ready for what God has for us, we'll keep missing it. We won't rejoice in it. See, God allowed Hannah to walk this out so that she would be ready to receive all that he had for her. That she wouldn't get it at some point and then really not understand what, what he had done. Because we can be like that. We can have nice cars, a big house, all this kind of stuff, and not appreciate what God has done. And when it gets a little cold or the lights go out for a minute, we may start grumbling and complaining. And I think about we serve a great God. That it's only temporary. Everything this side of heaven is temporary. He is eternal. And so she was reminded of these things. So maybe you are weary and without joy. See, last night I had an opportunity to sit with the many of our worship team members and they were singing a song about a passage of scripture found in the book of Isaiah the 43rd chapter would you turn with me there for a moment Isaiah the 43rd chapter Verse 18 through 21. See, that weariness can feel like a dry land. 
can feel like we're parched and we don't have, we can't even breathe right. Because we're so weary. The world has just beat at our door. The challenges keep coming. And God is reminding us that we can draw from him. That he'll quench our spirit, our soul, our mind, our will, and our moments, our emotions. See, look at verse 18. It says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall bring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, this world's going to feel like a wilderness at times. It's going to feel like a desert. But God will make a way in this barren land. It goes on to say, the, the beast of the field shall honor me the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. See, all of this is for you and for me. God would give us drink. God would give us rivers. Verse 21, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. See, he's reminding us that we've been created to give him praise. We've been created to have joy in the Lord, that we would sit at his footstool, that we would bring jambalaya and boudin and, and creole stuff before the altar of God and we would have a joyful meal with him. And we would rejoice and say, God has been so good to me, better than I could ever have been to myself. So I reject myself, I reject my ways and I turn towards him, and I praise his holy name, and I rejoice in him. So as we conclude today, I just think it's so important that we understand what joy we have and what joy truly means, and I love the, the definition that John Piper gives for joy. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. See, he says some words there. He says, this joy is a good feeling. See, there's an emotion attached to our relationship with God. It's not just the head knowledge. It's just not thinking through things. 
But our God is an emotional God. And there's an emotion, there's a, there's a feeling that comes upon us. Let me give you some examples of that so that we can understand this a little bit better. It's just like when you pick up, where my buddy Isaiah at? I guess he's in the nursery right now. When you pick up Isaiah, you can't help but smile. Anytime you see him, he's got this little bubbly smile on his face, and it does something. It causes us to have an emotion. Or maybe when you're out camping, because we got a lot of campers in here that like to go out in the woods, and, and you're in your tent and you see the shadow of a bear. There's an emotion that comes over you <laughs> of fright or fear or caution. And so there is an emotion that comes over us, a feeling that comes over us that's in the soul, the very depths of us, the very essence of us, the breath of life that's been breathed in us, the soul. See, it's not just the superficial, but it's a deep emotion in the soul. Produced by the Holy Spirit. That is not a natural thing, but it's a spiritual encounter. That is produced by the Holy Spirit in us. See, the world can't have the joy that we're talking about outside of Christ. So the Holy Spirit comes to us and does some things for us. And he causes us to see the beauty of Christ. That we could see Christ high and lifted up. That we could see how much Christ loves each and every one of us. That he was willing to be beaten. He was willing to have all the sins of mankind to be poured out on him. He was willing to be crucified. 39 lashes on his back. Nails driven into his body. And hung on a cross. And we get to see the realness of his love through the Holy Spirit speaking Moving, breathing, reminding us. We get to see it in his word, this living word. Have you ever picked it up and it just moved you? It caused tears to flow from your eye. It caused you to get excited about what God was doing in his word for you and through you. And in this world. That we would know that this world is not our home. But God has created it for our joy. And we get to experience this life of joy down deep in our soul that rests in the Holy Spirit of God in us. And Jesus Christ being high and lifted up And he speaks it mightily through his word and through this world that we see him. We know that he's moving. We know that we're not without, that we're not broken. We're not destroyed. We're not torn down. 
but we're lifted up in him. It causes us to have joy, unspeakable joy. It causes us to say, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away because it belongs to my Lord. And he's done it for me. And he's done it over and over and over and over again. And he'll never stop. And so he tells us, saints of God, have joy in the Lord. Not in yourself, not in your doing, but in him. And watch him move. Watch him give you more than you can ever fathom. Watch him bless you more than you could ever conceive. And then what you thought was going to give you that joy, what you thought that was going to give you that peace, you would start singing, there is no other God like my God. There is none greater than him. He's worthy of my praise and my honor. I will rejoice in him and him alone. The joy of the Lord is 